Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Michael and Mom Talk Cancer. I am your host Michael. Thank you guys so much for listening today. And I am Ashley. I am just amazed at his enthusiasm. I love it, Michael. Today we're going to be talking about the first 100 days after my bone marrow transplant. Yes. So, so the first 100 days actually started in the hospital, right? Well, yes, because every day after your transplant is plus one. So the day of the transplant is actually day zero. So and the days 27th. before are like day minus one, day minus two, and day minus three, and it goes on, you know. But, yes. <laughs> Good counting skills. Well, I try. Thank you. We've spent a lot of time together, as you can probably tell from this. Yes. So when we were originally discharged, we had the nurse practitioner come in and literally sit with us for what felt like a few hours explaining all the rules we had to follow. Wait, not, there was actually a book. They gave me like, a, yeah, book there's a book to read <laughs> before I was allowed and they quizzed me. Because when you go home from a transplant, the whole house, the whole environment has to be as sterile as it can be. Of course, it's not going to be perfect like the hospital is, but it has to be as clean as possible because I'm coming home from a transplant. I didn't have any immunity. And there's a lot of rules that go into being home after a transplant. Yeah, because all the rules that we had at the hospital, like changing his sheets, making sure we washed our hands all the time, trying to have the least amount of bacteria, all of that now had to come into our house. And our house is definitely not as sterile as a hospital. No, so definitely what, not. Yeah. So the day that you were discharged, actually, yeah, the day that you were discharged, um, I remember that morning, as you said, Maylene came in, the nurse practitioner, went over all the rules with us, went over the book with us. And then what happened? And then I threw on my famous Bam out of Bio jersey. Yes. Grabbed my little backpack and we were on our way going home your for the first time. And your rip and dip pillow. <laughs> oh, yes. My favorite pillow. I remember getting in the car and it felt so weird. It was so surreal to me because all of a sudden... I'm in a car and it's just like... After five and a half weeks of being in the hospital. I can't even describe it. You're just driving past people on the road, people in other cars, and there's so many things going on. I'm, <laughs> it was a little overwhelming to just look out the window and see like like normal life outside of a hospital. It was just crazy in the car at home. Yeah, and I know it sounds, it sounds kind of silly, but it... Um it became our home as well. Like the hospital kind of became our home. And so going home, we had really mixed emotions. Of course, totally excited, totally happy. We couldn't wait. But then when we pulled up in front of our house, I remember. We just sat there not knowing what to do. It was like, we were, we've been waiting for this moment for like so long. And now we're here sitting in the car, looking at each other like, do we Who's going to open the door first? <laughs> yes. Who's going to start unpacking and going inside? Yes. And of course, we were so happy. And, and after a moment of like sitting in the car, we, we got out, went in the house. And I don't, I think that Stephen and Jennifer, they neither, were not home. neither one was home. Jennifer was dancing. I don't know if Stephen was at the gym. No, I don't, I don't remember. But first, the first thing I remember is, Kitty. <laughs> yes. We saw our cat. Kitty. Oh, that was the best thing. You missed Kitty. Well, we both miss Kitty. And you don't realize how important your animals are to you until you're separated from them as well. Yeah. 
I have pictures of you. The minute we got home, he like... I sat down on the couch because I was really tired. And exhausted. I was exhausted just from leaving the hospital and being in a car and then walking from the car to inside the house. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work for me at the time and that just shows how weak I was. But I sat down on the couch, put on my blanket and my cat jumps on me. And I was actually really scared because with like bacteria and stuff, yeah. I was really nervous about having my cat on top of me, but it was so healing that I needed it. And thankfully, like it's fine. I did not get sick from my cat. Yeah. Yeah. And she's an indoor cat, so it's all good. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was so great to be home, but it was, it was a little bit scary was, and overwhelming. Yeah. And I remember actually the day before we came home, I had, um, well, a friend of mine did it because they were amazing, hired a cleaning service to come to our house so that it was like perfectly clean. But, you know, still coming in and like one of the rules that we had was there were, we weren't allowed to have any plants in the house. And I was like, oh my God, I can't even have like my basil and stuff like that in the kitchen. No plants and no flowers. And of course people want to give you flowers, but there's bacteria. So then, you know, you start thinking, but okay, I've got to walk outside. And every time I come inside, like, shoes off and clean your hands we had disinfectant everywhere in the house literally in every room no dirt no bacteria it's it's kind of a impossible scenario you can't live in a bubble as much as we tried there's a lot that went into going home that i think a lot of people didn't understand because it'd be like oh you're home from your transplant like congrats like you're finished you're good and that that just really wasn't the truth there's so many rules you know, we had to follow so many things. Like, if I took a shower, for example, that I couldn't use the same, I couldn't just hang the towel up and use the same towel the next day like I would before any of this. I had to wash the towel, I had to wash everything, wash my hands like a million times. If I went outside just for like a little walk and I came back inside, I had to shower. You know, I had to wear a mask outside, even if there were no people around, just because of, you know, bacteria that could possibly come from outside. And I couldn't have any visitors inside the house for the first 100 days. And if I wanted to see my friends, the only way I could do it would be I would walk outside in the evening because I could not go in the sun. I would wear a mask and we'd stay six feet apart and we would just either go for a little walk or sit down on some chairs in my backyard and talk. And even then I still had anxiety about being around people just because who knows, like what could they possibly spread to me? And I had no immunity. so. There was just so much, you know, anxiety when it came to being so careful. Yeah. And don't you remember also, so when we left, Maylene told us, the nurse practitioner, she told us, expect the first two weeks are going to be hard. And they she's were like, so difficult. <laughs> she, she did not exaggerate. She basically said, Michael, you have one job, well, two jobs, and the jobs were what? To drink fluids and yeah. to take my medication and that was literally it she's like if you do that you're 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 gonna be fine and we we're like wow okay it's an easy job right easy job but it's a lot easier said than done after a bone marrow transplant i will tell you that yeah. holding down medications is so much harder than you would think and then also just holding down fluids and i wanted to eat too you know but there was, it was, everything was so hard on my stomach eating. I had so much abdominal pain. And I was so, like, weak after when I got home that it was, like, this is a shock to me because 
I wanted to get better fast and I always was like okay I'm an athlete like I've done this I've been athletic my whole life how hard can recovering from this be and I would try to walk around the block just like walk around the block and you remember what happened the first time I tried to walk around the block I do <laughs> the first time you tried to walk around the block we made it um I don't know a few meters from the house and then we were like okay that was good we're gonna turn back and every day we would try to go a little bit further and I don't even know if you made it around the block before you were readmitted to the hospital. I, I, think, I, I don't, you, think, I don't I think you did. Um, because a few days after we came home, Michael had to be readmitted. His stomach was just, he was in so much pain. And we were actually at Nicholas Children's. He was there getting infusion. I, I think actually you were there getting magnesium. And they just admitted him. And they didn't want him to leave because they felt like his stomach was, it, it was... It was normal that it hurt, but it was too much. Yeah, and a little backstory. The night before I was getting that infusion that day, I was actually throwing up that yeah. night. And I had come in telling them I had stomach pain, abdominal pain. And then when I was there in the hospital the next day getting that infusion, they said, well, we're going to admit you just because we really want to be on top of it and be 100% sure that this isn't something major. Yeah. So when they admitted me, they actually found out that I had skin GVHD, which is graft-versus-host disease. Yeah, and there's different kinds of, of GVHD. So basically, GVHD, when Michael says graft-versus-host disease, so the graft was his new marrow coming in, which, as we know from, he they let him go because he had engrafted, so he had the new, the donor cells were inside of him, but they started attacking Michael. So sometimes they attack the skin, sometimes they attack the GI, sometimes they attack the liver and the lungs, and at this point, they were mostly just attacking his skin. Um, and his stomach issues, they did. We did do, I think they did. They did um, do a colonoscopy and an ultrasound, but nothing really, it didn't show much. It was just because of all the meds I was taking and because exactly. it was after a transplant. And he was starting to eat again after having yeah. not eaten for a long period of time. But the skin GVHD like showed itself in like a rash. I had it on my my thighs and my arms and Dr. Galvez told me just to put lots of hydrocortisone cream on it and you started steroids yeah. oral steroids at a higher dose and thankfully with that it resolved really quickly actually it resolved in actually like a few days which was good it was amazing good. yeah so we were only in the hospital I think then for like maybe four or five days then we yeah, went it was home four again or five days. and then that time when we get home you did start to feel a little bit better and you started yeah, building strength yeah, I, I did start to feel a little bit better. And that was when I was able to actually walk around the block. Yeah. I made it. <laughs> Not only so that, proud. do you remember? That's when you started to play basketball again. Well, play well, basketball. We had the hoop on eight feet, and I was just shooting it from three feet away. And yeah, that counts. That but counts. that counts. That was a big victory for me, and it felt amazing yeah. to you know, be able to shoot a basketball into a hoop. And one of the things I've come to appreciate so much yeah so that was great yeah and that's we also started doing home workouts then like you know again three pound weights chloe really ting. like chloe ting <gasps> tone, tone arms workout you know the youtube 10 minute video with no weights i'm telling you we had so but, much yeah. fun with those videos oh yeah we, we still do <laughs> we still do but yeah i was starting to feel a lot better and then i started to notice that every time i would eat i would go to the bathroom like every time so this like was every time yeah like if i ate anything i would eat like 
literally a chewy bar and then I'd end up in the bathroom and this was starting to get a little concerning and yeah I was starting to lose some weight and it got pretty bad around of course around Christmas Eve and then we spent Christmas Eve at home it was really nice even though I was in a lot of so pain horrible. and felt <laughs> the worst I've felt you know with the GI symptoms but then the next you were day, there, me and you and your brother and sister, and that, yeah, that part, was the, the whole appreciation of being together, that is what's crazy, is, like, I still can't think that our Christmas was bad. Like, even though Michael was so sick, and it's true, I'm not in his body, so I can't speak for him, but as hard as it was, and as worried as I was about him, like, being the four of us together, that night was beautiful. Do you remember? It was, like, yeah. We had pierogies, we had our normal... <laughs> we, had, we had our Christmas traditions, we, we made it to our Christmas traditions, and that was yeah. so important that we were together. That was huge, it was yeah. huge. Michael was alive, like, we were together, That it was a really huge thing for, for me as a mom, too, to have us all together and doing our traditions. But yeah, I remember the whole time I was emailing back and forth, well, emailing, texting with his, his doctors... And um, remember the hat from the last episode? Well, we had a hat at home, and they were like, Ashley, you have to start measuring his bowel movements because they were getting worried. And then we just realized that it was just, his body was just, you know, everything was coming out, like way more than he was taking in. And so on the 25th, on Christmas Day... We pulled up to the emergency room. And and we did. That was how our Christmas Day went. <laughs> we had to, yeah, and... As soon as I got there, I remember the doctor was like, you have to be on TPN, which is total parental nutrition, which is food through an IV for two weeks. Yes. And he, they were they were scared because my GI GVHD was bad. It yep. was really bad and it was seriously life-threatening. And at the time, I didn't really know that. Because I didn't know that at the time. I, I could tell they were serious. Yeah. I could tell it was important, but I don't think at that moment I grasped yeah I don't think the I gravity. did either. yeah yeah they were like he needs total bowel rest they put him as Michael said on the IV nutrition but yeah uh, it was intense and we kept thinking well maybe we'll be home for New Year's but no no we, we were in the hospital for two weeks with that admission and the first few days my doctor put me on TPN actually like we said and then he started to let me eat, but the only things I was allowed to eat was literally... Do you literally... remember the first thing you ate? No, actually I don't. I do. What was it? I don't Saltine remember. crackers. That's right. Oh, That's the, the only thing they let me eat and for a full full uh, day or so. I know. I think it was a, a couple of days. A couple of days. It was only saltines and then yes. eventually... But, but you were so... But wait, I was so happy. Because you were so happy. Like you would never think that saltine crackers... Would make someone so happy. <laughs> I was so... Cause they put me on super high dose of steroids. So I was starving. I was taking 60 milligrams BID, which is like breakfast and dinner. And that's a lot. That's, yeah, that's a, a lot a of steroids. And steroids. That makes you really hungry. So I was starving and, you know. And intravenous nutrition is okay. So he's getting what he needs, but it doesn't really it satisfy It doesn't really fill him. you up mm-hmm. or make you feel satisfied. But then after a few days of saltines, I graduated actually <laughs> to plain red and plain pasta. So Yes. We were moving up in the ranks, and then before I was discharged, I actually was allowed to have sugar-free Jello and sugar-free Powerade. Yes, that, that is was, right. It was crazy. I was so hungry that 
those foods were just like oh my god jello amazing i i i think jello for most of us is kind of like a punishment food but for michael eating the sugar-free jello he'd be like oh my god it has a taste it like it, it's so yes. it's so good he was so excited <laughs> i went home with like this piece of paper that they gave me and it was a very short list of the foods that michael was allowed to eat and it was so short and that was a challenge yeah yeah that was definitely a challenge what he was allowed to eat for a while it took a long time for you to get off the, yeah, the gvhd diet a few months i would yeah. say yeah 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 talk about the perspective there that yeah. that time gave me seriously that, the things that i learned to appreciate like saltines like sugar-free jello and plain white bread like plain white bread was my dessert like oh my god it was so good <laughs> it's true but also so during that time and michael with when he started get when he was tpn and when he started getting the steroids intravenously he really did feel a little bit better and steven his brother would come pretty much every day to the hospital and um and you guys did like this little workout sometimes together yeah i had this he brought, would bring the three pound weights yeah and well i would work out with them too but sometimes i had to film because i'm a good mom like that and so i did film one day they were both working out in heat jerseys and i was like oh my god sweetest thing ever and steven was like mom send me that video sent it to steven and he made a tiktok yeah he made a tiktok of us working out in the hospital in the, the bam out of bio jersey and, and the kelly olenic jersey and the kelly olenic jersey and what yeah. happened you have to tell this part well what happened was somehow lifestyle miami this instagram page got a hold of the video and posted on their instagram and apparently udonis haslam phone oh gee from the miami heat and then udonis haslam reposted the video on his instagram and then all of a sudden i go on instagram and somebody's tagging me like you're on Udonis Haslam's Instagram. And then I comment on it saying, like, this is me. Like, this is me. And then <laughs> it's my brother and I. And, and he, like, sees the comment and he follows me. He literally DMs my mom and he's so nice. And then he sent me a video of him with, you know, the players on the heat. And it was, it was unreal. I was so happy because he said that I inspired him and, to have somebody like that who inspired you your whole life because I watched him growing up my whole life play basketball for the Heat to tell me that you know I inspired him was just unreal it was huge it was huge it, like Michael said he DM'd me and I was like oh my god UD is sending me a DM it was beautiful and so kind and I, shortly after that Duncan Robinson reached out to Michael and he he actually because Duncan Robinson has a podcast and he actually just featured my story as the long shot um feature of the week which was amazing oh, was, that was so oh. I felt so honored to be on this podcast it's true and Kelly Olenek and and his his fiance Jackie they also they gave you another gave Kelly. me a Kelly Olenek jersey and a white one so yeah, cool it was amazing it, they're so such awesome people yeah it, so yeah all the you know you don't want to get attention for the wrong reasons but I don't feel like it was for the wrong reasons you know Michael throughout this I'm his mom okay so now Michael's not listening to this part um I'm listening <laughs> 
he is an inspiration because he has somehow taken on this challenge that he didn't choose, that he didn't want, and he has turned it around. And I just admire him so much and he doesn't give up and he fights and he has had a lot of setbacks, like a lot of physical setbacks. He's had a lot of complications but they are setbacks and they have not been failures. And that is because of him. That is because of his mindset. And I just like, I just admire him and I'm so grateful he's my kid. Okay, now oh, you can listen again you, now, Michael. <laughs> I'm listening now. I'm listening now. <laughs> and after that admission, I went home and I was on this super, super strict diet. Fortunately, when I got home, the GI GVHD had cooled down. I was starting to feel better. And this is when I felt things turned around for me physically. This is when I started to get stronger. I was doing more workouts. I was walking around the block more and I was starting to feel more like myself. But then there's this thing called steroids that I'm on (laughs) at a high dose that kind of, you know, made me very self-conscious because I started to, you know, my hair was starting to grow back and I was like, wow, this is amazing. My hair is growing back. But then all of a sudden, like I noticed my face was just huge. It was huge from the steroids and my stomach was bloated as well. And my hair coming back just didn't feel like it meant much to me because I looked like, I felt like I looked like an alien. I look in the mirror with my little buzz cut coming in. My face was huge. I was bloated and I felt better, but I was just so like, conscious of how everyone was looking at me like people were probably like wow you gained a lot of weight all of this and it, it was weird to me because I always thought after my transplant for some reason that I would just look fine my hair would come back I would look start like to look like again. myself you know right. just maybe more pale and a little skinnier but it didn't happen like that and fortunately I'm a, I was alive and I am alive and the steroids saved my life but it's something, you know, I want to kind of bring more awareness to is steroids because every single cancer patient knows about steroids and how tough they are and especially prednisone because, you know, you typically hear about someone going through cancer treatment and you think, oh, they're, you know, they're skinny and bald. And then if you see someone who's chubby going through cancer treatment, it's like you wouldn't understand, but it's because of prednisone. It's just this terrible thing with so many side effects yeah it does and we'll talk about that in another episode we're now dealing with some other side effects from it but it is true and even me like sometimes I would look at him and I'd, I'd be like gosh I don't quite recognize Michael but but then I'd close my eyes and I'd hear his voice and I'd see his behavior and I'd be like okay it doesn't whatever he looks like on the outside that was one of our huge lessons is throughout this whole entire thing. He went through so many physical changes. He was super skinny. He was bald. He was white. He was overweight. No matter however he looked, he was always this beautiful person. And, you know, again, I know we talked about this before, but how looks don't matter. It it, it is true because through every single thing, every phase that he's looked like, he has been this amazing human. But what the other thing that happened though, really fast, I just want to touch on this is when that happened, 
he was on the prednisone his also his liver enzymes started to go up and that was like in January and at first they were not so worried because they were like he's on all these medications and a lot of the medications can cause kind of side effects like your liver like it's hard for your liver to process and so they started him on um, some infusions of some of his medications so the liver wouldn't have to process them but it just made it so we were in the hospital like literally almost every day getting infusions because he couldn't take some of the medications orally and then the day 100 finally came, which is a huge deal, but then there was also a little bittersweet with the day 100, you want to mention that? Yeah, because usually at day 100, the medications are weaned, your immunosuppressive medications that you take. Maybe not so, completely, but at least they're in the direction of being weaned. Yeah, and on my day 100, they weren't even in consideration of being weaned at all because of my graft versus host disease and all my complications, so... It didn't feel like it was a big day, really. It just felt like another day where I was just going on and, you know, living the best life I could after transplant because I was still immunosuppressed, still with the same rules. And I was just hoping that soon, like, I would be off of the meds. And I was, I felt like I was so impatient. You know, I wanted to get off everything right away. I was like, okay, when am I going to start doing things again? And I think the first 100 days were the biggest lesson to me because I thought after my transplant, it was just going to be, okay, 100 days, and after that, I'll start returning more to normal things. Yeah, because the day 100 in in transplant is considered, if you make it to day 100, like, it's one of those big, huge milestones. After day 100, you haven't had this, you haven't had that, you have better chances of doing well with your transplant, and it is supposed to be a big deal, and it was also on my birthday, and we just thought, oh my God, what a great sign. But yeah, as as Michael was saying, it was a lesson. I'll let you continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was a lesson. That I just need to be more patient and more, you know, grateful that I'm just here today, a hundred days after my transplant. And it's been like everything else this year, just a humbling experience. It it has been, and it taught us a lot. Uh, we've been talking about this actually recently, like letting go of dates, letting go of a time frame that at this point everything is going to be fine because he's had a lot of setbacks and again they haven't been failures they've just taken more time um and yeah but those those day up to day 100 we were spending so much time in the hospital but that's really when you know the people at the hospital became our family yes and that's when really the relationships and kind of i felt the whole purpose of this was more solidified it was more like okay, what I'm going through, I can't change. But look at the people around me, right? Like the <sighs> nurses. And like... It, it was, I am, I am agree, I agree with Michael 100%. The, the cool thing about oncology and really about BMT is you, because you spend a lot of time in the hospital, you do build relationships. And while he was building the relationships with the people around him, he also began building this relationship with himself that was, I, I saw you realize it's kind of started with the with UD reaching out to you and he began to realize that he could share his story and inspire and motivate and encourage and we could feel it in the nurses because we would arrive at <laughs> Infusion mm-hmm. and everyone would be like, yay, there's Michael, there's Ashley. <laughs> and we, you know, I don't know. It's like we could find a way to spread a little bit of light even in this really hard place. And I feel like that's kind of 
I don't know, that's been our story is like trying to spread a little bit of light. And Michael does that with ease, like without trying. The gift of his day 100 is that he's still here. He's alive. He's inspiring people. Like the silver lining is real. He was cancer free on day 100. Oh my God. Huge. Because they do. Oh my God. They do all these tests. Yeah. They do all the tests. They do all these tests. I was 100% donor still, which was great. There were, yeah, there were so many silver linings. So even though it was a, it was, it was a bittersweet day 100, but way more sweet. And I really like bittersweet chocolate. So I'm going with that. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know. Hug your family. You never know. Yeah. And I love you. I love you too. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I think we could have gone on for hours more. Yes, we definitely could have gone on. But <laughs> we need to be quiet. I did not now. want to bore you guys. And seriously, thank you guys so much for the ongoing support, the messages. Incredible. It's incredible. You guys are really the reason why I feel comfortable sharing my story. So yes. thank you. And your prayers and your love, I'm telling you, they are carrying us. You are our arms carrying us. And we have more to share, so hopefully you'll tune in for the next episode. Yes. And, and this is a goodbye from your host, Michael. And Mom. Bye. Thank you.